Let's turn again to God's word. We're continuing to go through the book of Mark. And now in our seventh week, we're finishing chapter one. Record speed. Today we're in the last five verses of Mark chapter one. The story of Jesus cleansing a leper. Let's pray before we read God's word. God, we ask that your word would shine on us, that we would not be blind as in the middle of the day with these glorious truths shining on us. Nor would you let us have hardened hearts or minds that are turned against your word, but would we instead have soft hearts and willing minds that are willing to learn and to submit to the truth of what we find in your word. For we know that in these words there is life. So would you be with us as your word is preached and as your word is heard, that we would be faithful, that we would respond properly and in the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hear God's word from Mark chapter 1. Verses 40 through 45. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Thanks be to God. As we're going through Mark, we've seen that Mark is telling us a little bit more about Jesus with every story. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is proclaiming the good news. And people don't get it. We have a peek from the very beginning, from the very first verse we're told Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And so we know, but the characters in the stories don't know yet. So as we're going through this story, we have to ask ourselves, what are we learning about Jesus? What does Mark want us to see about Jesus? What is being unfolded about who he is in this passage? And we're going to see a side of Jesus today that is surprising. Surprising to the religious leaders because they're seeing miracles done that only God is supposed to be able to do. It's surprising to the people because a teacher of the law is willing to, not only to be near, but to touch a leper. And surprising to the leper because this man, for the first time in a long time, is met with compassion. We're going to go through this story twice. Once from the perspective of the leper, and once from the perspective of Jesus. After that, we're going to see how these pieces come together to show us a depth of who Jesus is. It's a beautiful story, but the depth of who Jesus is is highlighted in incredible, um, incredible detail when we're able to see 
from both perspectives what's going on here. First, from the leper's perspective. This man was cast out. He was cast out according to the law. In Leviticus 13, it says, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. This is the life of the leper. He's been outside of society in lonely, desolate places for as long as he's been unclean, perhaps for years. Leprosy was repulsive, and it didn't have a cure. The law called it unclean, but that actually doesn't mean that it was a sin to be a leper. Uncleanness and sinfulness are distinct. After all, it was difficult to go through any day, much less a week in the Old Testament, without being unclean in some way, which is why there were provisions to be made clean again. Leprosy, however, was long-term uncleanness. Any one of a number of skin diseases would be considered leprosy. If you have a strong stomach, you can read Leviticus 13, where it details how to diagnose leprosy. Verse 14 gives extensive detail of how the leprosy, how a leper who is clean might be declared clean. A brief description of leprosy has been given here by James Edwards. He says, leprosy was widespread in Palestine. It was then, as now, a subject of superstition and fear. Leprosy is a skin disease, and like all skin diseases, it is difficult to diagnose and heal. The Hebrew term covers other skin diseases besides leprosy, including boils, burns, itches, ringworm, and scalp conditions. Scribes counted as many as 72 different afflictions that were defined as leprosy. I could go into much greater detail, but I think by reading that alone, we realize this can be quite a repulsive disease to have. No one would come near. A leper was commanded to keep his distance so that others would not be infected. And a leper has not for a long time since getting leprosy has not known a human embrace, the touch of a hand, or even a close conversation. The life of a leper must be lived outside the camp in loneliness. But this leper who's been outside of the city, has heard word about Jesus. Word about Jesus is spreading. Even with his limited contact with society, he knows that this man in the region has power. So when Jesus arrives in his vicinity, probably outside of a city, since that's where lepers are found, the leper defies all regulations and cleanliness laws, and he comes near to the one who he knows can make him clean. The leper determines he must see this Jesus of Nazareth. He knows that Jesus can make him clean. And when he comes to Jesus, we see his proclamation. He says, if you will, you can. The original language is weightier than that. You are able to. You have the power to make me clean. None of the priests can make anybody clean. The law cannot make anybody clean. They can only identify cleanness and uncleanness. So for the leper to come to Jesus and say, you can make me clean, is a bold statement. So he does the unthinkable. Breaking the law, he walks, maybe runs, perhaps stumbles right up to Jesus. He implores him. He kneels, bowing down to him. And he is so bold as to ask Jesus to do something 
that only God can do. Because you see in the Old Testament, leprosy was considered alongside with death as incurable. Only God can raise the dead and only God can cleanse a leper. We see that in Numbers and in 2 Kings. But the leper has confidence that Jesus can heal, which might reveal something about who he knows Jesus to be. And some say that he doubted Jesus' willingness. Perhaps that's the case. He says, if you will, you can make me clean. After all, nobody else has treated him with dignity. But maybe that's just a way of saying, would you consider me? Would you? Not doubting Jesus' willingness, but emphasizing instead his ability. So whether or not the leper doubts Jesus' willingness is not clear, but he comes and he asks. And for the first time, here at the feet of Jesus, for the first time since he's been declared unclean by the priests, who knows how many years it's been, he was met with compassion. Not somebody who ran away. Not somebody who was repulsed. So perhaps the leper now thinking, oh my goodness, I'm receiving compassion from this man, thought maybe Jesus will speak to me and heal me. He has the power to speak and to heal through his words. After all, Jesus said, I will be clean. But then the leper felt something. The last thing he expected, the touch of a loving hand in his uncleanness. A loving, powerful hand. And he was healed. His leprosy left him and he was made clean. Jesus, out of reverence for the Levitical law, told him, go to the priests, show them you are clean so that they might declare you clean according to the law of Moses in Leviticus 14. It would take eight days, there would be a sacrifice, but then he would be restored to society. And the leper was told to be quiet because Jesus didn't want the word of such healing to spread as he, so he commanded silence and very sternly so. You'll remember the only other time so far that Jesus has commanded silence was to the demons because they knew who he was. And so the fact that Jesus commands silence to the leper shows perhaps the leper knows who Jesus is. After all, Jesus did for him something that only God can do. So it's been a while for this leper since he's been with friends and family and gone to synagogue and been to the market. Now, every time somebody sees him, they walk up to him and say, what happened? He disobeys Jesus' command and he tells them. In fact, Mark says he talks freely about it. That word talks is the word proclaims. And the only time Mark says proclaims is when he proclaims the gospel. So this leper is out there proclaiming the gospel to every person who comes in contact with him. After all, it's the best thing that's ever happened to him. It changed his life. He's welcomed back into the city, into community, with his friends, with his family, into the synagogue, the blessings of the law being read, to have a people, to have an identity, and to belong again. Now, let's go through the story again from Jesus' perspective. You'll remember Jesus was in the city of Capernaum with crowds pressing in. And he decided to go out to the country towns, the more rural places, because there he needed to preach as well. So he finds himself one day in one of these places in the region of Galilee. And 
a leper approached him. It's more likely to run into a leper out in these rural towns than it is inside the city, so here is an encounter with a leper. But still, anyone within 50 paces of a leper was considered unclean. Anyone who walked under the same tree a leper walked under would be considered unclean for some time. Now, here Jesus is, should be, by the law, ritually unclean now in the presence of the leper. Whether Jesus was standing or kneeling as this leper came to him, whether he was inside or outside, Mark doesn't tell us. He wants us to focus on the interaction between the two. The leper came right up to him, begging him, kneeled down, and asked to be made clean. And Jesus did not brush him off. Jesus did not push him away, and he did not run away, as everybody else had done. He could have invoked the law to condemn the actions of the leper. You broke the law, you're supposed to keep your distance. He could have shamed the man. He could have at least saved face or prevented any further exposure to the disease and maybe done it from a distance. And Jesus considered whether healing the leper would reveal too much about who he is at this point in his ministry. After all, these people know that only God is supposed to be able to cure leprosy. If Jesus acts and does what God does, would he be identifying himself as God? Surely the man would talk about it. You have to remember, Jesus was trying to keep his identity, identity hidden until the right time. He was trying to train his disciples. He was trying to grow the church to show himself to be the Messiah who suffers, not the Messiah who conquers militarily. And if word gets out too quickly, then this mission becomes very difficult. But Jesus, Mark says, was moved in his being. He had pity, according to the ESV. He had compassion on the man. And he says, I will be clean. This is not out of place for Jesus. Jesus is a compassionate Savior. In Matthew 9, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In Matthew 14 and 15, he has compassion on another crowd. In Matthew 18, he is the master in the parable who out of compassion releases his servant from the debt. And in Luke 7, when he saw the grieving widow, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. And so he raised her son from the dead. And this is in character with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In Hosea 11:8, we see God speaking. He says, how can I give you up? How can I hand you over, O Israel? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender even though Israel was wayward like Gomer, even though Israel had no faithfulness, God's heart for Israel was filled with compassion. And so Jesus, out of compassion, says, I will be clean. That would be enough to cleanse the leper. But Jesus does the unthinkable. Mark makes it clear in verse 41, he stretched out his hand and touched him. To be touched by a leper is one thing. To willingly step into the mess of leprous uncleanness by touching yourself, taking the uncleanness upon himself, that's the next level. But this touch doesn't make Jesus leprous. The touch that is supposed to infect Jesus instead gives cleanness to the leper. 
out of the compassion and power of the touch of the Savior. This passage is the first over the next, all of chapter 2 and into chapter 3 and even later in the book, but especially over the next chapter and, and some. This is the first of many where Jesus is considered unclean. He doesn't follow the religious laws. He's breaking the law. Excuse me, the, the Sabbath laws. He's, he's breaking those laws, so it seems. His disciples don't wash their hands as they should. They're unclean in chapter 7. They don't fast like they're supposed to in chapter 2. He hangs out with tax collectors and sinners. How unclean is this man? And that's how he's treated for the following chapters. He is being marginalized just like the leper was, as if he were unclean. But there's something here in verse 45. In our own story, it says, verse 45, but he, that is Jesus, excuse me, the uh, leper went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Who is not allowed to openly enter a town? Who is sent out into desolate places? Lepers. Those who are unclean. In these two stories side by side, we see the leper begins unclean and ends clean. Jesus begins clean and he ends up unclean. We also see the leper started in the desolate places and ends up in the city. Jesus starts in the city and ends up in the desolate places. Because the leper couldn't keep quiet about the good news and the crowds were pushing in on him and he had to be sent out into desolate places. This isn't a miracle story for the sake of a miracle. Mark is showing us who Jesus is and what he does. Jesus took the place of the leper. He doesn't just cleanse the leper. He takes his place. Where the leper started, Jesus ended up. And where Jesus started, the leper ended up. The leper has a home, friends, identity, and belonging again. Now, again, being leprous is not sinful in and of itself. So where does this apply to us? Leprosy and all uncleanness in the Old Testament. Again, it's very commonplace. These paint a picture of sin. They show us how difficult it is for us to live a day, much less a week, without being covered or in, in some sort of blemish, without having a spot. And so it is for you and me. We are in our totality infected by sin. As a leper has no cleanness in him, so we on our own have no righteousness in us on our own. Sin has exiled us, taken us away, away from God's presence, taken us away from his people. And as it is an uncleanness, it takes us away from all the covenant blessings. Blessings of the land, the blessings of abundance. And so Mark's story foreshadows Jesus as the one who takes on sin and the one who takes on uncleanness, who gives life and gives blessings. Jesus takes on our sin, and this is what Mark is showing us. Who is this Jesus? This is a trumpet blast announcing here in Mark's gospel what Jesus is about to do. Pay attention for how Jesus takes the place of his people on the cross. Our sins upon him. 
Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, Galatians 3 says. And in 2 Corinthians 5, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus will be the one who justifies all who come to him, who bow down to him, just as the leper did. And Jesus takes on the curse of the law. Now the Mosaic law was given to Israelites who were already in covenant with God To break the law didn't mean you weren't a part of the blessed covenant of Israel anymore. It didn't mean you're out of relationship with God, but there were consequences for breaking the law and there were consequences for being unclean. So Christians, even when our sins are forgiven, we still don't deserve the blessings of the covenant because we on our own have not earned righteousness. But if we are in Christ, who forgave our sins and gave us righteousness, who takes away our uncleanness and gives us cleansing, then we receive the blessings of the law as well. Some of those blessings that we get to take advantage of is prayer, drawing near to God. That's a blessing because of Christ's righteousness given to us. Isaiah, as he entered the throne room of God, sees God's holiness and says, woe is me for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. But we have the blessing of God's presence with us now through his spirit because of Christ Jesus. This is a covenant blessing given to you by Jesus. He touches us as he did Isaiah, as he did the leper and takes away our uncleanness and makes us whole. We don't deserve to feast on the blessings of the Lord's sacrifice through communion because we're unclean. Yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us and this meal is offered to those who are in him. We don't deserve to be in the presence of the holy God or to hear his words of truth because we are unclean. But by his spirit, he draws us near. He teaches us patiently with his word and he touches us, taking our place. So for you and for me, we have to admit we are unclean. We have to come to God with an honesty about who we are. The leper could not hide his disease. It was visible in his skin and in his clothes as he was commanded. It was, it was obvious in where he lived and how he had to yell out, unclean, unclean. Who do we think we're fooling when we try to cover over the fact that we're unclean and that we're sinful? Nobody here thinks you have it all together. Our very existence in the first Adam, because of original sin, is unclean. We don't deserve this life everlasting. So what we do when we're able to admit who we are, really, is to go to the one who already knows all this about us and has compassion on us. We go to the Savior, bowing down before him, asking him, knowing that he has the power to make us clean, to give us these blessings. Don't go anywhere else. You will not find anyone else who knows everything about you, your mess-ups, your ugliness, your repulsiveness, your dark sinfulness, your perversion, and your corruption, and has chosen to compassionately touch you and take your place. But we must honestly, prayerfully, lay out 
who we are before Jesus. It requires vulnerability on our part. And for those who have honestly taken your brokenness to Christ and asked for healing, you have never been turned away. Always been welcomed. Jesus, would you consider an unclean leper such as I? Would you use your power for someone like me? Answer is, Jesus only saves outcasts. Jesus only saves broken people. He only saves unclean people. And he takes our place. What a gracious God. And our lives then reflect that by obedience and the power of the Spirit. And we grow in sanctification and in righteousness. And we look forward to that one day when we are totally righteous. Standing in the presence of this God with the righteousness that he's given us, that we have taken on. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are good and compassionate and patient and loving, and we are thankful that you are sovereign and that you have decided that in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our sins would be paid for. Our brokenness would be covered and we would be made whole in Jesus Christ. We thank you that he took on the sinfulness and the punishment that we deserve. He took our place. Would we be ever grateful and would we live with obedience that comes from faith in this Savior? It's in his name we pray. Amen.